The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Seeds of Wellbeing series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the University of Hawaii College of Tropical Agriculture and Human Resources, or funders, and any affiliated organizations involved in this project. Welcome to a Seeds of Wellbeing Voices from the Field podcast featuring voices of Hawaii agriculture producers for Hawaii agriculture producers. These podcasts are made possible by a grant from the University of Hawaii College of Tropical Agriculture and Human Resources, also known as CTAR, and the Seeds of Wellbeing, or SO project, and is supported by a grant from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, National Institute of Food and Agriculture, and the Hawaii Department of Agriculture. The intention of these podcast series is to create a safe space for respectful and inclusive dialogue with people from across a broad and diverse spectrum involved in growing and making accessible the food we share together. A diversity of voices, perspectives, and experiences can serve to deepen mutual understanding, to spark creative problem solving, and provide insight into the complexities of our agricultural system. If you, or listeners, have experiences with Hawaii agriculture ecosystem, from indigenous methods, permaculture, smallholder farmers, to large, including multinational agricultural industrial companies, and everywhere in between, and you would like to share your story, please contact us. We welcome your voices and perspectives. Welcome to another Seeds of Wellbeing podcast. Today, we are honored and privileged to have a discussion with the chairperson of the Hawaii Department of Ag, Phyllis Shimabukuru Geyser. So welcome, Phyllis, and thank you for joining us. Aloha and good afternoon. Um, So I'll just start off with a little bit of, um, we'll just make this informal, asking you, Phyllis, to reflect on some of the results that we have uh, found on our season well-being need assessment, thanks to the Hawaii Department of Ag, your support on this project, it was would not be possible for us to do any of our work without Hawaii Department of Ag and USDA NIFA funding. So we are yes. very appreciative of that. Um, and as we comp- we're still now doing another round of assessment, but currently right now with the 345. Uh, respondents that uh, were finding that uncertainty, COVID, financial pests and productions are pretty much the top five of the stressors. So if I could ask you to reflect on this, how, what are your, your sentiments around what we're finding? Oh, well, thank, thank you for having me. Um, and, um, you know, I wasn't surprised uh, with um, those uh, stressors that, you know, you identified through uh, this uh, this project uh, because um, last year in 2021 um, we initiated our own survey and it wasn't um, specifically on uh, wellness, uh, mental health, uh, or stress. It was actually we're trying to get a, a pulse from um, producers. Uh, in our state, you know, that are um, typical of uh, family farming operations. And, you know, what were their needs to make them 
profitable or um, to expand their production. And it was kind of interesting because um, the uh, top three uh, bottlenecks or challenges that was addressed in our more business focused um, survey was a supply chain issues because of um, the pandemic, labor shortages, and the concern over inflation and cost of transportation. So, you know, it was really in line with um, what uh, you shared with us with your findings so far. Mm. And um, as we all know, who have had our careers in ag, whether it's in production, education, distribution, or some other ancillary type of support services, you know, it's a really high risk business. Um, it's, uh, and you know, it involves not only uh, an aptitude for um, understanding uh, science applied out in the field, but you know, there's so much uncertainty um, that really does contribute to uh, volatility in marketing your product, and then dealing with mother nature and the elements. And of course, you know, um, our 12 month year growing period, you know, with the uh, dealing with uh, invasive pests um, and uh, ever changing uh, government compliance requirements. So, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm glad that um, we have this information so far and I think it's gonna be very helpful for us to uh, further assist uh, our stakeholders. Yes, thank you, Phyllis. So, you know, we're also doing interviews and we have done about 80 um, more in-depth interviews as part of what we're doing with the need assessment. And the issues keep coming up in terms of um, access to land, as well as housing and availability of housing on ag lands. Could you mm -hmm. reflect on that a little bit? Yes. Okay. So um, we're it's it's a a very strong understanding um, at our level here at the department, and and you know with state the state policies that you know because we are a, a, a island state, land values are very high, um, and uh, acreage is very limited, so um, that's why. Our department really tries to utilize the lands that we have uh, to assist with small farmers, uh, beginning farmers, you know, with our uh, state ag park um, lease program. But, you know, we're limited in the uh, number of acreage that we have to provide uh, the most reasonable um, terms in terms of rent. We have over 200 uh, farmers, producers that are on a list that we generate. So we generate a list of interest and it's, it's not a waiting list, but you know we encourage people that they're interested in getting notified by our department. When leases do come up and are available, then uh, we'll contact you and then we'll send you um, information of when we're gonna do a public notice. So we know that our, our portfolio, portfolio is limited. Um, we con are continuing to try and get more lands 
in our um, programs through the Department of Land and Natural Resources. Uh, but the vast majority of the agricultural land in the state is privately owned. Mm -hmm. So yes, understand that housing, we hear it all the time, um, you know, housing on ag land or on farms provides security uh, against ag theft, which is a big problem. And, um, you know, it's, but also the challenges that we've heard about having housing on um, ag land is uh, gentleman farming or, you know, um, people developing farmland with no intentions of farming. So there's this, you know, opposing concerns. Um, we, we try to encourage the counties uh, to enforce um, what is already, you know, in their ordinances to make sure that housing on farmland or ag land is for the farmer and the farmer's employees. And we support that. Um, however, you know, even for us, uh, we're trying to develop uh, 150 acres on Oahu in Kunia for a new ag park. Mm -hmm. And we've um, come up and, uh, with a lot of challenges on, on getting um, funding for us to put in the adequate infrastructure that we need. Um, there is policy concern and disagreement of uh, whether to allow a farm dwelling on um, ag park land. So, you know, as within the state, um, there's different viewpoints uh, about whether uh, to allow housing on ag, ag parks, um, you know, within our portfolio. So we're continue every year to try and push forward to get adequate funding and resources to put in the water infrastructure uh, to, to subdivide, you know, the lands. Um, and that's really key. Uh, just because you have land, uh, in order for this farmer to be successful, we, we have to make sure that there's a ability in that location with that land uh, to provide um, access to water some kind of water, whether it's irrigation system or it's a county system, and then also utilities. So, you know, yes, um, we know that, um, you know, those are top priorities, uh, land, affordable water, good quality water for food safety reasons, and then also capital. So we, we are always um, mindful of those things. Oh, so you have brought up many issues <laughs> that I would like to dive a little bit deeper for our listeners who probably sure. might be curious to know, you mentioned 200 folks who are on your list. Um, what is the decision-making process behind, like, they might wonder, well, how do I, you know, how do you select who gets access then to, to receive the, 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 the lease? Okay. Um, so just very generally, um, uh, you contact the department, our land division, and uh, we'll send you an application. And um, part of the application is um, you need to have residency, residency requirements, uh, and you need to have uh, ex uh, exhibit farm experience, whether it's education, whether it's practical professional experience, because we want to make sure that you're a bona fide farmer. 
and um, that um, you are um, compliant with your taxes. Uh, the other thing is a big piece is um, you submit a business plan. So how are you going to utilize the five or 10 acres um, of land that you're vying for? And so um, based on those, you know, just general aspects that I discussed, um, that uh, the, the staff here reviews who's eligible. And um, you're also gonna be required to uh, submit a conservation plan too. So um, once you're deemed eligible, then you are uh, notified that um, when you can submit your best um, sealed bid uh, for the property. And then um, they look at the bids and uh, you know the highest bid generally gets um, more consideration, but uh, I think that they also look at the quality of the business plan too. Mm. So that's just on broad terms. And you know, if um, anyone needs more information, then uh, please contact us and uh, we can refer you to the property managers on uh, the respective islands uh, to follow up. So, you know, like, like you mentioned, there's so many, there's more, so many pieces that uh, ag producers need to know what to do. And part of this is making sure you have all your paperwork, your finances in place. Where can they get resources to help make sure that their plan and their proposal is going to be very competitive? Because there's going to be, do they reach out to all the various other organizations that um, are out there? Or do they contact um, Hawaii State Department of Ag specifically, because I imagine, I imagine, do you have some money that would be able to assist with that or probably not? We, we can answer the questions regarding the process and um, what's, what's required. Um, but uh, as far as how you're going to submit your business plan, your conservation plan, then, you know, you need to work with NRCS um, for the conservation plan. Um, and then I would uh, refer you to uh, CTAR Cooperative Extension, you know, working with the college uh, extension agents, uh, maybe they can help you. We've also had um, CTAR Go Farm graduates or, you know, people that have um, graduated from, uh, you know, UH Hilo, and so uh, there's resources out there. Um, if uh, we can't um, answer all your questions, uh, then we can we can refer you to our sister agencies. Okay, thank you. Uh, and then you mentioned the challenges of funding to get infrastructure in the ag part. Um, what are ways that we could, you know, uh, as citizens, to help the Department of Ag with this? <laughs> well, you know, we. Um, if uh, I think that um, elected officials are very mindful of their constituents. Uh, so, you know, if you are, um, have a representative or a senator uh, that is, um, you know, on like a ag committee or on a uh, finance or ways and means committee, and um, if you know you're watching 
what's happening at the legislature uh, regarding, um, you know, any kind of uh, bills that come up for uh, ag parks for the department or um, funding for, you know, programs that will help, uh, uh, you know, the department's budget um, for services that you feel you would be highly beneficial, uh, will be highly beneficial to you, then, you know, I would ask you to uh, submit your testimony or even call them and say you support this specific bill or not. Because I, I really believe that uh, the public voice, uh, the, the constituent um, has, a, you know, the elected official wants to hear from the people that they represent in their district, uh, what, what their um, priorities and needs are. Mm. Thank you. That's something concrete that the citizens can actually do then. Just right. And a lot of our farmers um, do belong to commodity associations or, um, you know, farming organizations and even uh, staying in touch with your, if you're a member, uh, staying in touch with that organization, you know, they do um, watch legislation during the session and uh, the organization itself uh, oftentimes will submit testimony. So I would say that, you know, if you are a member of uh, some kind of farming organization um, or ag-related organization, you know, uh, keep in touch with them and, and see, you know, what they're doing on government policy. And then also, you know, let them know that, well, you know, if these specific topics are a great concern to you, uh, to keep you in the loop because I, I do see when we go to, through the legislative session that you know there are farmers um, going online and you know it, it, you don't have to write a novel in your <laughs> testimony but you know they you can go online and quickly check on a bill and click yes you support or you oppose or you want to comment and you know it it doesn't take a lot of your time to do that. Hmm. So we have reflected on the, some of the stressors of our ag producers. Um, I'm going to ask you about what are the stressors of Hawaii Department of Ag and having to navigate <laughs> and balance all these different challenges and, and demands and needs. You know, it's kind of interesting because the department stressors are very similar to the producers that in, in the industry that we represent. So for us, you know, our our big challenge is labor, just like it's very difficult to get adequate farm workers. Um, you know, we also uh, are challenged to get people that want to apply and work in our positions. And so, you know, getting um, the right qualified people, um, you know, uh, for the compensation that the state offers uh, is a challenge. Um, also, just like uh, farming, where uh, you may be uh, marginal profits because you know it's um, volume driven, you have to have the production because your margin is very small per unit. And um, you know that uh, people that do own land, uh, you know, 
the cliche of uh, land rich, cash poor. Well, for our department, you know, we don't get very much um, as far as uh, a piece of the state budget, overall budget. We get less than uh, we, we were getting before uh, the pandemic, 0.4% of the state budget. Um, this next fiscal year, uh, we've you know seen an increase in our um, our budget and our resources, um, but we're still under one percent. So just like with the farming industry, you know, get getting adequate cash flow or resources to make improvements in your business, uh, the department has lots of priorities that it wants to to uh, fill. Um, or attain and, uh, you know, we're restricted with the amount of resources that we have. We're um, challenged with a lot of expectations, uh, just like um, farmers are um, to run their business. Um, and we're asked to do a lot more than uh, the resources of the manpower that we have. So um, we try the best we can with what we have. And I think that, um, just like farmers, uh, you know, the department tries to be as resilient as possible um, because uh, I do believe that we have many, many um, employees here that really care about ag, uh, care about food, care about growing things um, for not only consumption, but also, you know, with our horticulture and um nursery industry, you know, um, are just producing things that make people feel good and, you know, contribute to, you know, their mental health. Um, we have employees that really, really do more than 100%, you know, because they believe um, in what you folks do for the general public. So, you know, we, are, we have a lot of similarities, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, Reflecting on that about um, your state budget currently right now is under one one percent. Why is that? Given that there is we're supposed to be moving toward food security and sustainability, uh, why do you think, even though you've had an increase in this year, that it's not we're not seeing as much as perhaps it needs to be for us to become more sustainable and food secure? Um, because within um, state government, there's a lot of competing needs, right? So um, there's a very strong <clears throat> advocacy for public health. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a strong advocacy for public education. And our state is one of maybe the only state, <clears throat> maybe one of two, uh, where uh, the education, the public education system is not county driven so we have a statewide uh public education system so you know we have you know we have to compete with um the health and welfare of uh the public <clears throat> and the education and then also um transportation issues like that so and the environment so you know there's competition for um you know what the priorities are and, um, you know, that's, that's why, um, you know, we don't make the final decision 
uh, we put in what we, we believe we need um, to do for each biennium um, budget cycle. And um, uh, hopefully, you know, we can get uh, the majority of our asks so we can continue to support the industry. We have, I believe, in the last um, four years to eight years under the current administration, really tried to work really closely with uh, cooperative extension um, because, um, you know, we've tried to coordinate resources um, to the best of our ability to get um, as much support um, between both agencies uh, to assist our farmers. And um, luckily, uh, you know, during the pandemic, the federal government has kicked in, you know, with community support, agriculture, funding, um, and in recovery. So, you know, we're really, um, really need to work together uh, to spread, spread those and stretch those dollars and services. Hmm. So that requires a lot of resiliency. <laughs> and being yes, and <laughs> yes. And I think that people that um, decide to <clears throat> pick agriculture as their, you know, for their career, whether it's in production, mm -hmm. distribution, uh, or even in government, um, I think um, you have to remain optimistic. And, um, you know, that's part of the resiliency. And uh, I think that what keeps us all going is that we feel that what we're doing provides a really important service to our fellow man, to humanity, whether it's feeding food, uh, feeding people, providing shelter. Uh, you know, I think that that's why we're all in it. We're all in it because we believe that what we're going to do with our business or in our our roles in government um, or affiliated um, services you know we're really doing it because uh, we want to feed people we want to care for people so i think as long as we keep that our eye on that mission and that mission is very important to us that's what keeps us going Ah, so how then is this issue of mental well-being, mental health among ag producers? Is are you hearing this as this um, across the different states at the federal level? How important is this issue? Uh, I think that it's something that has never been brought up here in Hawaii. Um, it's well known uh, across the mainland United States um, that uh, there's. Um, you know, issues with depression, uh, stress, um, and then even suicide. And so uh, before the pandemic started, I think in 2019, um, I was at a meeting and with other fellow directors from other states, departments of ag. And the state um, of Colorado uh, was very concerned about the well-being of their uh, farming industry. So we all started talking and then um, the Western states started saying, well, you know, as a, a, a region in the United States, let's let's bring this up. And there were other, you know, parts of the country and other states that were concerned about 
uh, the well-being of their farmers. Um, and so then the pandemic hit and that it really added additional stress. Uh, so uh, that's why um, our state, our national organization decided to approach USDA and say, hey, would you be willing to fund a program um, to assist our farmers dealing with uh, stress and also provide some kind of assistance for their mental health. And, and that's um, why uh, USDA opened up this opportunity for states to apply. And, um, you know, I talked to our team here at the department and said, hey, you know, we should apply um, because uh, coming from a farming family, uh, I firsthand experienced uh, the stress of making payroll if you have employees, um, paying your bills, paying your taxes. I mean, that that's just something that you deal with 24 seven, uh, along with market disruption, along with uh, bad weather, hurricane, storm, floods, and all these things. So personally, I mean, I had a really, I think, realistic understanding of what it is to farm. And so um, we applied and we we're we're really pleased that we got the grant. So, you know, at least we could start doing something um, because I don't think Hawaii ever really talked about uh, mental health and stress for our farmers. I mean, yeah, they always had something with uh, human services or Department of Health for the, for the general public mm -hmm. uh, and maybe rural communities. But I think um, this was great because, you know, if our farmers needed um, some kind of support. Uh, this is, was something that I think the timing was right because the opportunity was there and USDA was open to um, allocating funds. Yeah, and we were grateful for that too. Um, but, you know, as usually when you identify something, um, folks are going to say, well, then what are you going to do about it, right? Now that you identify all these stressors, are we going to continue to make sure that we provide the resources and support to mitigate these stressors? So there might be discussion and wondering, so what's next? I yeah, so I think, um, you know, uh, I'll be attending a Western uh, region conference the, uh, next month. Well, actually, Next month is tomorrow, but in <laughs> July, and um, and then again a national conference in September, and um, you know we do state reports, so um, I will include in Hawaii state report, um, you know, some of the findings, highlight the findings um, from you know what we've learned from the grant so far. And then, you know, ask uh, USDA because USDA uh, does have representatives at our State Department of Agriculture, um, you know, association meetings um, to see, you know, if the, the federal government continue to supplement uh, what it started. And, and that way, um, maybe we can have uh, support services expanded based on the baseline information and um, I'm very pleased that uh, people have been participated participating in the surveys and actually um, you know reaching out um, which is really good because I know in the beginning um, we're we didn't know how 
open farmers and producers would be about sharing their feelings because you know culturally here you, you really don't want to say how miserable you're feeling because you, you do not want to um, project you know failure and so you know i'm i'm pleased that uh, with uh, dr lee here that uh, the response has been um better than what you know we, we were hoping for. So thank you very much for those of you who have participated so far. Mm, thank you. So um, we're going to wrap it up. But before we do, I'm going to ask you to reflect on um, what is your future uh, perspective around ag in Hawaii? Well, that's a really um, big question. Um, and so I can just uh, give you my opinion on it. Um, based on uh, my experience um, both in the private sector and with the state the past uh, seven and a half years. Um, you know, because we, most of our farmers are farming anywhere generally um, between two acres and maybe less than 40 acres of land. I mean, there's a sweet spot where a lot of our farmers are in that five acre to 10 acre uh, scale. And um, because it's small, uh, the cost of production, you know, is high. And so, um, you know, the past three years or so, uh, our department has been really having some really deep discussions with um, the leadership at CTAR. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm really sad that, uh, Dean Nick Comerford's last day is today and he's retiring, but I, I'm hoping that uh, the work between our department and the college will continue. But, you know, we're, we're trying to see how we can give our industry the tools to um, increase productivity on the small uh, scale that of land that you either lease or you own um, and what appropriate tools uh, with innovation or technology um, that you can use to control your environment that's not high, highly expensive very cost uh, costly um, whether it's some kind of covered controlled environment agriculture that's affordable that way you can uh, produce more uh, with less inputs and so I think you know, as a department, we're, we're trying to find proof and concept type of information, uh, working with the college um, to see um, what kind of better information we can provide to our producers. So there's been a lot of talk about um, high tunnel production, um, shade houses, um, you know, those type of things that are less expensive than um, totally controlled environment production uh, and minimize the use of pesticides, uh, improve your management and uh, less labor. And we're hoping that by doing so, uh, it can become more um, uh, efficient and more productive and higher return on your investment. But, you know, hopefully the state will continue its priority on trying to 
uh, promote and support buying local, uh, whether it's through our marketing and promotion activities or um, like, uh, you know, you and I were talking about um, things like the Double Bucks program where we, during COVID, we were actually able to expand what Double Bucks could be used for. So it started off with produce, right? Mm -hmm. Local produce. And then we were able to include proteins, local proteins. So eggs and beef and fish. And so, you know, if government could continue um, supporting local production through um, a program like Double Bucks and, you know, improving their procurement requirements to make it easier to buy from local uh, food hubs or um, directly from producers, then, you know, maybe we can, as a state, can help increase uh, revenue generation and sales uh, for our farmers. And if you're making more money and able to pay your bills and make a profit, then hopefully that will make your life uh, better and more manageable and uh, reduce um, the stresses that we all experience with agriculture. <laughs> so Phyllis, <laughs> yes. um, last question I'm going to have, and it's going to be a personal one. So in your yeah. seven and a half years of being chair, what has been the most meaningful experience for you in your role? I think um, the most meaningful experience that I had was, and it was during COVID, uh, during the pandemic, um, that, um, you know, we were, the department always had special funds. Um, we got uh, a portion of every um, gallon of, you know, barrel of oil uh, for us to use for agricultural development and food um, production. Uh, and so, you know, we had those um, funds and I think that the, the best thing that I've experienced was when the pandemic hit in March of 2020 and all through 2020, um, we were able to use, I would say, um, $600,000 of our special funds to um, actually give out small grants of $2,000, dollars $10,000 to directly to producers using um, exemptions, emergency exemptions from procurement requirements and just to get cash into the hands of our farmers so that um, they would have a bridge of um, revenue to stay in business while uh, the federal government's CARES Act monies kicked in. So, you know, whether it was for uh, just uh, to replace income that was lost because, you know, the restaurants and the hotels shut down uh, at one time, farmers markets were closed. And then we you know with climate change, with the drought and situation like that. So I think that was um, probably the best experience that I had that, you know, we were able to act quickly in a matter of um, 
less less than sixty days uh, to get you know cash out to uh, over two hundred farmers. Um, and uh, you know, I wish we could have done more, but uh, we were able also to uh, assist with getting uh, half a million dollars of uh, CARES Act money also to double bucks. So, you know, that that multiplied to $2 million with the philanthropic match from private investors and then also with the government. So, I mean, it was a really challenging experience, but then I think that um, it was really um, rewarding for me that we had the ability to help quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, and it went to a good cause because it kept it, it, we we're very concerned that we didn't want to lose our industry because of the pandemic, but uh, being there to keep you uh, afloat for you know a short period of time so you could get federal assistance, uh, that was very rewarding. Uh, well, thank you so much, Phyllis, for participating and sharing your manao and all your experiences and insight with us. Well, thanks so much. And um, like, I can't thank you and your staff and also uh, our stakeholders that have um, really, you know, taken, uh, taken, uh, taken the advantage and the opportunity to participate in uh, uh, Seeds of Wellness because um, you know, I, I hope that it brings you some comfort, some relief uh, to help you get back on track and, and, you know, continue to have a good life because you do good work for the, the public. So Mahalo. thank you very much. Thank okay. You. We want to thank our guests for their generosity and mana'o. We also want to thank all our ag producers throughout the islands and especially those we have heard on the podcast for discussing ways they address the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual dimensions of Hawaii ag production. Each story, each voice contributes to a broader understanding of what it takes to survive and thrive as we feed our communities. Wherever you may find yourself within our island agriculture economies, if you would like to share your story in our podcast, please contact us. Thank you for listening to the Seeds of Wellbeing Voices from the Field podcast featuring their perspectives of ag producers throughout the Hawaii Islands. If you have found it helpful, please follow, like, and share this episode with others. And if you have any ideas about how we can make it better, please let us know in the comments or use the link on our website. Mahalo for tuning in. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Seeds of Wellbeing series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the University of Hawaii, College of Tropical Agriculture, and Human Resources, and any affiliated organization involved in this project.